0: We're talking with MC Till from Everybody's Hip Hop and the author of Boom Bap Review. Also, Deconstruction, what is it? All on this episode of the 520 Collective Podcast. Let's go! Uh, yeah, message heavy, don't rhyme show. They not ready, race against the time like four wheels, and ain't ready, keep it steady.
1: Beat
2: their hard and they barely give them ears to hear the truth and the life. Low confetti. yeah, message heavy, don't rhyme, They not ready, race against the time like four wheels, and ain't ready, keep it steady. Beat their hard and they barely give them ears to hear the truth and the light. Low confetti just the flip of the watch. It's game time, game time, time of time, time. Time. the watch. Game time, game
1: 5, just flip with the watch, game time. Game time, 20, just the watch, game time. Game time, just flip with
2: the watch, game time. 20, just flip the watch, game time. 5, just flip with the watch, game time. Five twenty 20, just flip with the watch, game
0: time. Five twenty. 20. collective. Listen every day. I'll get robbed, I'm kidding. <laughs> what's good and welcome to the 520 collected podcast where music meets ministry and the indie artist takes center stage this episode is being sponsored by josh d and the new single get up it's time to get up throw away the fear and start living for what matters and that is jesus matthew tuck isaac mather and danny J join josh d on a song that is inspiring and full of hope listen to get up now across digital music providers as well as trackstars.com so what's good everyone this is eric boston and i'm joined by my guy zero for hire what up dude hey what's up folks what up man let the people know dude where do they find you where do they connect where do they follow all that good stuff oh as always uh
2: thezerohour.com and uh, we've been we've been moving stuff over to odyssey kind of like a youtube alternative platform so, if you've uh, been looking for something like that, you can join us. And, uh, of course, hanging out on the 520 Discord.
0: That's what's up. And you guys know you can hit me up on Twitter at Eric Boston 3 That's at EricBoston and the number three. So, yeah. It's, it's been a month, dude, uh, since the last episode. You're back. So, that's fun. Yeah. How, how's the last month been yeah, for you? Yeah, that's good news.
2: Uh, lots of things have happened. Uh, I got fired. That's... That's, that hasn't happened since
0: I was a teenager. I mean, are you saying that, like, you still got it? Like, is that the approach you're taking with that? Like, hey, this hasn't happened since I'm a teenager, but I still got it in me? Or, or, or how are you approaching that? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I should have said that as I was leaving the office. Like, still got it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. No. Um, no. Yeah, that's that's just basically been it. Like, my last week has just been job applications and all that and that, that fun
0: stuff um it really helps you to prioritize what's important in life i mean you know over here we're just trying to survive the cold and the snow and the ice and stuff i know it's not as bad as it is in michigan so don't (laughs) start in on me with that but yeah
2: did you guys get like a whole inch of snow oh my god No,
0: i mean we got we got probably (laughs) i want to say around seven inches it was was okay that's that's formidable yeah it was a good little amount So All
2: my friends down in Texas, they're acting like they're on the movie Snowpiercer. They're like, oh, we got an inch of snow. We don't own any pants. Meanwhile, I'm grilling in literally seven degree weather.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So it's been fun. But I've been looking forward to getting on this month's episode, man. We got a great uh, industry insider interview coming up in the second segment with MC Teal from Everybody's Hip Hop. So make sure you guys stick around for that. It was a fantastic conversation with a guy with strong ties to the Christian hip hop community, but more than that, zero man, we're kicking off a series here on the podcast, and it is the first like actual series that we've done on the show. So that's going to be you know something new, something exciting, uh, at least from my perspective on it. Because yeah, I just want to see how it goes, trying to you know have a little series happening, and we're going to be talking about deconstruction man it's something i know you and i have talked a lot about you know off air um behind the scenes but we get to talk about it here on the podcast now moving forward
2: well i've got some special mood lighting set up for this topic because uh It's a deep one. Yeah. Get your popcorn, get your mood lighting, actually hit pause and do go get some popcorn and some jelly beans because we're going to take you on the wild ride and you might need a box of tissues and make it emotional.
0: Yeah. So, well, let's start with this question, man. I think that the question to start with is why do we feel like we need to talk about deconstruction? And I think there's a few answers to this. If we talk about it specifically within the Christian rap space, right, uh, I think it's something that we've seen that this space has been touched by this a lot especially recently with a variety of different outcomes right as well but what what would be your answer as to why it's important for us to discuss deconstruction not just as a podcast or as you know, a community within a subgenre, but let's just talk about like as the body of Christ, man. Like, why is this something that we need to be hitting on at this point?
2: Honestly, I feel like it's because we're forced to. I've known about deconstruction. I've he- I've heard these conversations, and I've done a real good job to avoid these conversations for more than ten years. And I was hoping that it would just kind of graze by, and we wouldn't have to deal with it. But now we have so many of our well-known christian celebrity christian musicians uh even some people in the theological space that are quote-unquote deconstructing their faith that it's not something that we can avoid
0: talking about anymore you and i have talked we get a chance though to sit back kind of take the wider view of this thing and break it down because i mean here's what i feel is that there's a lot of people that hear this term deconstruction get thrown around And maybe you have a rough idea of what it means, but I don't think a lot of people truly understand the purpose or kind of where it comes from and, you know, why someone would consider deconstructing their faith. You know, the thing to kind of start with, I guess, would be that deconstruction actually didn't begin as anything to do with religion or faith, right? Deconstruction started in the literary realm, right? It was about literature and and deconstructing writings and and word usage and connecting it to other writings and figuring out meaning right I mean that's essentially where it started correct me if I'm wrong
2: yeah yeah what what I, I want to say Rousseau I, I, I'm gonna have to look up the philosopher's name I had that window open and I accidentally closed it so
0: yeah Rousseau's work I think to really get into this discussion we need we need to find Deconstruction in order to move forward and, and go deeper with it. So let's look at a couple. I know you've got a couple. I've looked at a couple. Let's let's look like if someone was to just randomly go and do a search for deconstruction. These are some examples that you might find in trying to explain what this means. And and zero, I'm gonna go ahead and start with this first one. I, I looked it up at uh, okay. Wordnik, and, and Wordnik had a had a few different definitions that they offered. Uh, the first one being a philosophical movement in a theory of literary criticism that questions traditional assumptions about certainty, identity, and truth. Uh, their second definition was the undoing of what has been constructed or done. And the third, again, goes back to a, a uh, philosophical theory of criticism, usually of literature or film, that seeks to expose deep-seated contradictions in a work by delving below its surface meaning. So as we can see there, we're talking about these assumptions, right? The, these things that we just kind of take at face value, right? Without thinking about what is deeper, what, what goes beyond it, and what it really means and how it really applies to life or in this case, you yeah. know, a lot of literature and film, right?
2: And right off the bat, I want to point out in those definitions that you got, there's a, I, I want to draw attention to the platitudinous nature Like they don't exactly tell you what they're saying or what they mean by what they're saying in the definition. It's almost as if it's intended to be confusing. And I'm not saying that because I don't understand the words.
0: Right. Well, I think essentially what you're talking about from a literary standpoint is, you know, another one that I saw talked about the relationship between the text and meaning. Right. And there's a lot of argument of words, words are what give other words their meaning. So therefore, how much meaning can there really be? I guess I guess if I try to look at it in the in the literary realm, I can kind of understand. I honestly don't know if there's much of a point of it, if we're going to be well, completely honest. Well, when you explain honest. it
2: that way, it makes much more sense than what we heard in the definition. Yeah. Like you actually gave it a functional definition of something that you can, that's even concrete. In, in the definitions that I had, it was the analytic examination of something such as theory in order to reveal its an- inadequacy. And at least you're getting to some sort of purpose or concrete definition of what you're actually after. Even if you don't get a mechanical, like how to, you know, how to step by step. The other one I have here is a a theory used in the study of literature or philosophy, which says that a piece of writing does not just have one meaning and that the meaning depends on the reader. So I feel like those were a lot more concrete and it gave you a a little bit more insight as to the purpose or the structure of what was going on. Versus these, like, a lot of the definitions out here are verbose or platitudinous or both. And it's it's confusing and it doesn't do justice to the reader or the listener because they want to know what they're supposed to be doing. And then you just give them this word salad that doesn't mean anything.
0: There's two things that stood out for me with it that I feel carries over from the literary side over to the world of applying it to our faith, Right. And one of those being that these philosophers, right, when they're looking at written text, one thing that they were doing was they were going in and looking for stuff to be wrong. And I feel like that's something when we dive into the world of belief that a lot of people who decide to deconstruct their faith really are trying to do. They're, they're looking at for stuff to be wrong instead of looking at, okay, what needs to be made stronger. Right, which, and we'll get into that more in a minute. The second thing that you said that stood out is that how it talked about the reader deciding what it means to them. I feel like that is an aspect that definitely has carried over to deconstruction as far as like religion honestly it's something that kind of scares me a little bit now when i took it a step further right so those were my initial results whenever i was looking at deconstruction and looking at definitions of deconstruction right so i took it a little step further i said okay well what about defining deconstruction as it applies to one's faith and at gotquestions.org uh, it said the heading most recently applied to the process of questioning doubting and ultimately rejecting aspects of Christian faith. You talked about how deconstruction is nothing new, right? It's been around for a long time, starting with literary. And then even whenever you're talking about deconstructing one's faith, that's not something that's you know brand new either, right? It, it really kind of started in, in Europe. Um, I want to say what, like during the 70s, there was a big deconstruction movement in Europe where a lot of people left the faith. At that point, yeah, under the banner of deconstruction. And whenever you read this kind of definition from gotquestions.org, I think they're even alluding to that, right? The heading most recently applied. So really, they're even saying, you know, what we're seeing is not new. We've just called it different things, right? But there's always been people that have questioned. There's always been people that's doubted. I mean, if we want, we we can go all the way back to Jesus and and to Thomas, right? And, And Thomas doubting. You know, was Thomas the first person to deconstruct? I mean, I think you could make that argument a little bit, uh, maybe not to the extreme that we're seeing now, but uh, if it's truly about questioning and doubting, yeah, maybe so, maybe so. But then, one thing, you know, that final part, which is the thing that I don't think we can have in our definition, ideally, ideally, I'll say that we're going to talk about it some more here, but you know it says ultimately rejecting aspects of the christian faith what what's your response to that man
2: this is kind of what we talked about when when we first started flirting with the idea of talking about this topic it seemed that there were people who kind of made up their minds already and were looking for permission and or some logical strain of thought or at least something that they could point to as a logical string of thought as, as a reason for leave, for leaving their faith, does that make sense? Like they had already made the decision, and now they were just looking for the mechanism that would enable them to do so.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't know any. I, I like I said, I, I've got some more, man. So, any, anything else you want to hit on before I move on to this next or or introduce this next idea? Well,
2: here? yeah, touching on what you were saying about this not being not being new. Like we said, this, we, this one this is one of the early people on this, writers, composer, whatever um Jacques Jacques Rousseau this is back in the 1700s right so this is in the beginning of the 1700s in that whole French philosophy movement we keep seeing these types of thoughts rediscovered and reread by people who are skeptic and looking for something to glom onto they already have these ideas in their mind And we'll, we'll try to culturally put these things to rest and, and answer these questions. But then the questions aren't being dealt with culturally. We might, we might try, but I don't feel like we're adequately dealing with a lot of these things. And so what we're just seeing is this old 300 year old monster rearing its ugly head again. And now, now it's aimed at white evangelicalism. I don't know. It's upsetting. And it's, it's pretty weak sauce because I've, I've read some of this stuff and the two criticisms I keep coming away with is either it's weak arguments or it's a, it's platitudinous at best. It, because the goal isn't to have a structure. Maybe I'm going too far.
0: Well, I think that what we're ultimately going to come to a conclusion of, the problem that we see with or, or most instances of someone deconstructing their faith is that they're not going full circle. They're not going through the entire process. They're leaving out the, a very critical last step. Where you put it all back together. Yeah, and we're going to talk so. So let me talk about Josh DeKaiser for a minute. I found I, I was reading an article by Josh DeKaiser, and I will link it in the show notes uh, if you if you guys are interested in that. But so Josh DeKaiser, he went to, to seminary, right? He and when he got to seminary, a lot of people that were there were deconstructing their faith, and so he just kind of felt like, well, this is I guess this is what I got to do too. But Josh DeKaiser is one example of someone who actually kind of came out the other end and didn't just walk away, which I feel is rare. And we even when we look at these other definitions, right? I mean, I think they even imply or lend themselves to okay, people are not going to stick with it if they go through this process, or at least the majority of the time. De in this article kind of gives his de- definition of deconstruction. Now, this is this is going to take a minute, so stick with me here. It starts by saying deconstruction is the opposite of both construction and destruction so the opposite of both of those two things right and what does he mean by that he means that deconstruction is the, it's the wait say that again it's the opposite It's of, the opposite of both construction and destruction
2: <laughs> sure okay go
0: ahead well and well let me and le, well, okay. let me, di- and let, me and let me give you a little bit more into his meaning on on that particular phrase so he's saying that deconstruction in the sense that something falls apart simply means that it's destroyed And entails a process of both taking apart and assembling Uh, so it's not that our faith is just being destroyed by something or falling apart on its own deconstruction is purposefully taking something apart and, and looking for the weak points he goes on to say it is the responsible identification of the constructed elements of one's faith and then taking them apart in order to see the underlying layers of construction wondering what might be useful again in what configuration. So we deconstruct from a constructed reality. We're self-involved. We're in search of truth, but we're never there wherever that is. I think the Kaiser is saying a lot of things here, man. Uh, A lot of good things and a lot of stuff that really applies to what we're seeing happening in in our space. I'm going to turn it over to you for a second. Yeah,
2: it, it... It kind of sounds like uh, just a, a loose interpretation of what I'm hearing. It kind of sounds like this perpetual angst that that teenagers have, right? Where you're you're all you're constantly a seeker. You're constantly looking for truth. You're constantly digging for meaning. You're constantly improving things, but you never actually get to a solution or an end goal because that's never the goal in the first place. Right? Because if you knew, if you genuinely were looking for solid truth and solid answers, you would find truth, and then you would. You would stake a claim there before you ventured on. I, I don't, I don't, I don't jive with that, and I think that's why it's a constant attack on Christianity.
0: Well, and like what you're saying is, you know, really, you gotta be looking for uh, something deeper than simply starting to question your faith, right?
2: Not even looking for something deeper, like looking for, like if you're if you're stuck in a tree. And you want to get down you don't just jump out of the tree you look for the next branch down that's solid enough to hold you finding truth is incremental you find these solid truths and you eventually you'll find a greater truth it's never good enough Even the partial truths aren't good enough for them. They just want to constantly be in this perpetual angst and confusion.
0: And I think it's addictive. It's looking at those underlying layers like you're talking about, right? And figuring out how they're going to be useful again in the proper configuration, right? So it's very possible that we've been given these these foundational pieces, but given to us in such a way that they're not being utilized at full strength. And that's fine. I think at, at its core, Christianity is a religion that's based upon deconstructing like we should be looking at what what do we believe and why and making it stronger all the time right that's the key part that gets left out in my opinion so many people take it apart look at it leave it laying there and then it's useless it's useless if you don't put it back together yeah I mean I think at its purest form deconstruction can be a good thing the problem is is that we don't keep it at its purest form right we don't do with it what it's intended to do we we, we we try to make it fit what we want right and that's what we're seeing a lot of people say here you know it's not meant as a way to simply leave the faith without giving it much thought i think a lot of people that decide to deconstruct they have a different issue that they're dealing with and deconstruction seems like an easy way out and here's another thing if, if deconstruction is
2: useful which I, I'm not convinced that it is. I've I've found that I've taken some steps toward deconstructing other things, uh, my persona, in, in terms of like my music career and the person that I played on stage. I've I've taken the deconstructing that and trying to find out why I'm doing that. But it's not a you. In my case, I don't feel like it's been useful or helpful. All I found was criticisms that didn't help me. I wasn't looking for criticisms. I wasn't looking for another way to doubt myself. I wanted to understand more deeply what I was doing and why I was doing it. And I don't think that deconstruction well, personally helped me in that respect. But
0: but I also think that what you said is exactly what deconstruction is about. If you're going into it simply with complaints and something to criticize, I mean, how do you expect the outcome to go? But if you are looking, if you are deconstructing with the purpose of finding that deeper purpose and to make your beliefs stronger and to be more secure and certain. I think that's at the heart of this deconstruction idea.
2: I think maybe that's the intention and I don't know, but I still feel like there is something maybe adjacent to this. It'd be like this fish is really bad at riding a bicycle. And you're like, well, your problem is you got these these stupid fins and what's the scales about? And how are you even breathing? You got gills and you're not giving him any solutions. You're just criticizing them for not not having legs or whatever. Like he, And he's never gonna know what the answer is. He's just gonna be like, oh, I can't ride this bike because I got these stupid fins. Like that's deconstruction. That, at least that's how I see it. And I feel like there has there has to be a better way of finding purpose if that's your goal.
0: I, I feel. I feel like if we look in the mirror, and we're able to be completely honest, at the core of it, we're challenging some of our own shortcomings. We're 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 saying, oh, you know, forgive me my disbelief. Well, maybe not forgive me, but that's what we should be saying: is forgive me my disbelief in these situations, right? In order so that I can be stronger, so that I can stand more firmly. But, but I mean, there, I don't there, there, like, there's a many, big there, there's, people... there's a big but there's a big but here. But it all goes back to. What's your initial purpose in deciding that you want to go through this kind of process? Because that plays a big, big role in where you're going to ultimately end up. Like, if your mind is already made up that I'm trying to get out, I just don't want to look like I just gave up. I want to do something first to save a little face. Then, yeah, why not not say, oh, well, I'm going to do this, knowing. Yeah, this is highly complex you know, uh, intellectual process
2: that no one can explain to you, that's a good way out. Like, I th- go back, let's go back to the textual or the literary criticism, uh, literary deconstruction. When you approach somebody else's work, a responsible reader, and it's a, a responsible way to interpret that text is what did the writer have in, in mind when he wrote this? But instead you're saying, what does this mean to me? How do I see it? And so you can, you can sh- immediately begin to shift any any type of word that has a double meaning you can just make it whatever you want and that's already like a huge issue like you ever talk to somebody and you use a word and they just totally take it the wrong way and you're like that's not what i meant and like the writer's not there to defend himself so that's kind of like arrogant in 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 it's on its face you're not even trying to do the work to understand what the writer meant and then based on your interpretation of somebody else's work without them there to defend themselves then you proceed to criticize it from everything that you perceive to be a flaw, like you just totally throw this person's work under the bus on a literary scale, sk- like may not even be the purpose or the or the meaning behind things, but using the words, and, and eventually what you'll just dis- what you'll come to a conclusion of like this doesn't really mean anything because you deem it so. Like that's the process for deconstruction. Yeah. Like go to your wife and tell her you want to deconstruct your marriage. See how that works out.
0: Well, I think we're kind of getting into some of the stuff that we're going to look at closer in these following episodes again you know we want to you know come to some sort of working definition for for these purposes here but i will say man like if i was to say that i'm going to start deconstructing my faith tomorrow and i'm doing it because i'm upset about something or because i don't like something that would honestly scare me like you're not even advised to drive when you're bad mood but if i'm Saying, hey, I see, I, I see the bones, right, and, and I see how I see their purpose and, and what they hold on them. I just feel like they can be stronger. Let me let me find the things that's gonna make them better. Then maybe that's then maybe I'm coming arrogant. from the right place, you know. I don't know. Let me just use the example of I grew up mostly in the same church throughout my my youth, right. So therefore, I heard the same voice or voices explaining god in his word to me and whenever i got to college you know i i had that the, the same scripture presented in ways that it had not been presented to me before right it it kind of opened my eyes and and caused me to see things some things differently not in a negative way necessarily but I think it gave me a fuller scope of what was there. That's the way I kind of... And that has to be... And,
2: and that's the way I kind
0: of see deconstruction. There has to be a word for that right? that's not deconstruction.
2: I, I don't think that's deconstruction. Well,
0: the, I think the reason why we're talking about deconstruction... I mean,
2: obviously, I'm taking an av- a very adversarial approach to deconstruction itself, to right. the process. T- t- yeah.
0: Because we, it, Right now, we got, yeah. we, got to take, we got to take out the bias, right? We got to take out the assumption that this is a bad thing. I know we see a lot of negative come from this, but are we able to boil it down to just something, you know, that, that doesn't fall on either side, that falls in the middle right now, in order to try to grab a I don't think so, because I think
2: that it's duplicitous by nature. I think from its inception it's a duplicitous process by nature. It was a way for Rousseau to get the upper hand in arguments. I don't think it was ever meant to be sincere. And that's why I'm so adversarial against it.
0: Yeah. If there's a way in order to find a kind of middle ground here, a baseline that doesn't lean one way or the other, I'm willing to try to look for it. You know, and that and that's where I'm coming from on this. Uh, that's where I hope we can come at from this. Do I worry that ultimately as we go through this series, we are going to come to the conclusion that, yeah, I don't want to, like, I, it'll break my heart any, every time I hear someone say they're going to deconstruct their faith? Quite possibly. You know, quite possibly that's yeah, what we don't Yeah,
2: because up. I don't want to lend credibility of introspection or inspection yeah. to something that's... Uh, Claiming I, not to be those I, things. I, I want. I want to, because that's what, what I feel like we're doing is we're taking, we're taking this idea and it's claiming to be what we refer to as inspection or introspection. I, I want, and that's not, and it, but it's also wanting to be different. Like you can't have it both ways. Yeah. I,
0: I want. I want to believe that there is some neutral area in this. You know what I'm saying? I, that's why I want to believe, at least for now, because I want to. Be, I, I, want to I, I want to. I want to believe that there's people who go into a process of deconstruction with genuine purpose to to come out to come through it better stronger more more sure than they currently are
2: i'll try to be here to help pick you up after the process because i feel like (laughs) introspection is a much healthier process but
0: i think but i do think it comes down to a lot of times that final step is skipped of it's easy to take something apart and look at it and not put it back together and put it back together better a lot of times when we do try to put stuff back together right like i i don't know just pick something right if i if i bought an rc car for my for my kids right and i decided hey i think i could make this go faster if i took it apart and did a little bit of something man pro- more than likely by the time i put that thing back together it's gonna work worse than before i took it <laughs> apart right but that's exactly um, why i there is The possibility though that i could put it back together better at the same time right on either way let's let's that's safe that's too safe let's take your car before you and your family
2: go on a cross-country vacation before you trust that car to you and your family you want to take that car apart piece by piece and judge each piece deem it worthy for you and your family's safety and then you're going to put it back together you don't know how a car works Not to that degree, but you're going to do that anyway, because you are the judge of whether or not it's it's worthy of carrying you and your family. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'm
0: with you, man. I think that this is why this topic of deconstruction isn't something that fits into one podcast episode, why it's got to be multiples here, because there's a lot of things to look at. Let's do this, because I think in order to have these additional conversations, we do have to have some sort of a definition that we are willing to agree on. So based off everything we've kind of talked about, man, what would be a definition that you would give for deconstruction that you would uh, feel confident enough with moving forward?
2: The one that I'm most confident in is from Merriam-Webster. It's the second definition, the analytic examination of something in order to reveal its inadequacy.
0: I would say I agree. I I, I think it needs that additional part on there, though. If we make it even a little simpler, looking at something or a belief in this case right looking at a belief breaking it down into its pieces figuring out where it's weak but then making sure we put it back together and that it's stronger by doing so Certain Yeah, i think that's
2: a fair i think that's a fair warning to kind of let people know like okay now when you're done taking this apart you got to put it back together yeah because but i think all of the fun all of the allure is in the deassembling disassembling of the faith but then you're stuck there with all these pieces. Well, now you got to put it back together. That wants, and that's, that wants to, and
0: that's the challenge that I want to put out to people is like, hey, don't miss the final crucial step. If you're gonna do this, make sure you put it back together, and it make, make sure you don't just leave it laying there because you're not gonna have it anymore. I feel like this is a good start. I feel, I feel like this is a good jumping off point. Like we said, you know, this isn't a simple 45 minute conversation and you're done with deconstruction. So we'll be we'll be back here next month, man. Who knows what will happen by then? It could be a lot. It could be a whole lot of nothing. We'll find out, but we'll talk about it uh, on the next episode.
2: Yo, what's up? It's your boy Aaron Cole and you're rocking with 520 Collective. Keep it locked.
0: Artist, what is the key to getting your music to your target listener? making sure that your catalog is available where people are listening. TrackStars is helping independent artists do just that with Nectar Distro. Sign up for Nectar today to have your music delivered for you to all the major digital streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, SoundCloud, YouTube, and much, much more. Go to 520collective.com slash Nectar. That's N-E-C-T-A-R now to sign up and keep 100% of your royalties along with all of your music rights with monthly payouts comprehensive reports especially tools like the single maximizer and account management services along with a dedicated team that understands your needs as an artist it really is hard to beat what Nectar Distro and Trackstars bring to the table so hit up 520collective.com Nectar to get started now Hey guys, I want to say thank you for listening to the 520 Collective Podcast. This month's Industry Insider interview is coming up in just a moment. Before we listen in, make sure to check out 520collective.com. It is the home for indie news and faith-based hip-hop. Follow us on social media, including Twitter and Instagram at 520 underscore co. Also, to get exclusive content, hit up our audio Mac account, where you'll find extended interviews, playlists, and more. Let's jump into this month's interview. Welcome to this month's Industry Insider interview brought to you officially by Bookkeeper247.com. What's good? Welcome to another Industry Insider Interview here on the 520 Collective Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by the bookkeeper 24-7. Go and check them out at tbk247.com. Daryl and the team, they are supporting Christian hip-hop over there, guys, and you need to support them because they got a real heart for the culture, and they're looking to not only help to establish the Christian hip-hop scene, but to make sure they're doing all things kingdom building so go check them out tbk247.com yeah guys you know me i'm eric boston and joining me on the 520 collective phone line uh, man he is from everybody's hip-hop author of the boom bap review uh, man and he and he's got some ties to the christian hip-hop scene which i'm sure we can talk about as well uh joining me now is mc till how you doing sir
1: Man, I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to come and chat, man. Really appreciate it.
0: A hundred percent, man. And, you know, I got... Um, I've kind of been watching what's going on with, uh, you know, specifically the Boom Bap review. And, you know, that led me into everybody's hip hop and, and following like Stowe. And that, you know, eventually led me to you, right? So it's been really cool just kind of watching from the outside for a little bit to now getting connected with you and, and just being able to, to chop it up for a little bit, man. So I, I really, you know, just appreciate what you guys do over there, man.
1: Yeah, man. Likewise. Likewise.
0: Appreciate that. Appreciate so. Let, let's talk about. Um, well, let's talk about your background uh, just a little bit before we jump into everybody's hip hop, because um, you're an artist as well, right? Like, how, how long have you been part of music and, and making it and, and all that goes along with that? Yeah, man.
1: From a very young age, uh, when I was a kid, memorizing you know digital underground lyrics and Ice T lyrics, and De La Soul, and. My brother, who is three years older than me, he was, you know, starting, he was rapping with his friends for class projects and stuff. And I thought that was so cool. And yeah, so I just got into it as a a very young kid and then, you know, started taking it really seriously, you know, as a young adult and, you know, started to, to realize I could actually perform and rap for people. And I would say I started to like, you know, pursue it in a very serious manner you know as a young adult i was doing it for fun you know middle school and high school but as a young adult you know after high school college age that's when i really really jumped into it and you know really have been immersed in it ever since so it's been it's been a minute man it's been fun a
0: lot of lot of uh, great memories
1: uh that hip-hop has brought
0: right right for sure and you um actually a tribute kind of one of the early albums that you know kind of captured your attention was Three Foot High and Rising by De La Soul man what was it about that album that just kind of drew you into hip hop
1: yeah I think you know before that album you know I remember Biz Markie and you know LL Cool J and, and Beastie Boys and, and artists like that and thought they were just so cool and was really you know captivated by the music and thought it was really cool but when I heard the three feet high and rising i think that's what made me want to actually participate and like write lyrics and you know make beats and and that that type of thing I, and i think it was just the album was just so different um and it was not so it was different but like you know albums be, albums that i had heard before that were like it was like great music so it was a like great song 10 great songs or 11 12 great songs but three feet high and rising was like an adventure. It was like an experience. There was like skits on there, but like the skits were also kind of songs. But then some of the songs sounded like skits, and then there was like skit skits, and then there was like songs that were actually songs. So like it was just like, like I said, it was just like this experience of this like musical adventure. And I don't know, I just got wrapped up in it, and I was like, yeah, I, w- I want to do something like this, and so, so I did. Yeah, I got got started after that.
0: Yeah, man, and I love I love that explanation because sometimes you know it's for for if you're interacting with someone that's not really a fan of hip hop, it can be hard to explain what it is about it you know that really just draws people in and creates these strong connections. And I think the way you just explained it is a fantastic way to to try to explain that to somebody. And, and I think that's what's really cool about what you guys do with everybody's hip-hop is because it's not just like we're trying to get known you know in in this genre or, or, or this style of music you guys are really taking like an educational approach and, and teaching people right i mean that is, is that kind of like the purpose of where everybody's hip-hop kind of came from
1: yeah totally totally i mean it, it's all about like our mission statement is about building community you know uh, around hip-hop and so yeah, the education piece is, is really big for us and, and a lot of it is through listening like trying to create experiences where we can listen to one another you know and, and obviously you know uh, with, within the crew there's different levels uh, you know some folks are really you know jumping in the books and reading all the time others are just experiencing things others are just listening so there's different levels of, even within the crew and so like even within the crew it's like we listen to each other a lot like ah oh, I didn't you know I didn't I'm not really sure I know about that. Tell me more. So we we really try to cultivate that type of, you know, type of culture.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um you were talking about just how you came up and developed as an artist. Um you actually have some connection to Christian hip hop as well, so you kind of understand this space at the same time did a album with K-drama. And it's it's been a minute since that album, right? Like, how, how long back was that?
1: Man, it's been a long minute. Two thousand—that was like two thousand four, two thousand five, maybe. Yeah, I, m- I moved to Cincinnati uh, around that time, and I I don't even know where I was, but I I was rapping somewhere, and K Drama was there, and s- somehow we both had the idea of asking each other to rap at our events that we had going on. And like, I asked him or he asked me one of the, and he was like, oh yeah, I was going to ask you or vice versa. And we're like, oh, so, so we barely even knew each other. And then shortly after we rapped at each other's events, I think I pitched them the idea. Like, "Yo, yeah, you want to do this album together? He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> As you know, K-John was a fun guy. So he, he was on board and yeah, so we just made it happen and did, did not- Extensive touring, but did some spot dates. That was a lot of fun traveling around with K Drama doing shows. So he's a good guy.
0: You know, we talked about everybody's hip hop having this educational piece, but you guys also do a fantastic job of keeping the history of the culture, you know, in people's forefront of their thoughts. Right. So so let's let's dive into everybody's hip hop, man, because I you know I think you guys are doing so many different things that are needed and valuable. Um, when, when uh, Around when did everybody's hip hop kind of start evolving and becoming a kind of a, a thing for you guys?
1: That is a great question. Uh, I don't know when exactly, what year, like 2016, 17 maybe? You know, I from an early age, I just, I just started doing stuff, rapping, making albums, making beat tapes, performing, throwing events. And Everybody's Hip Hop Label was just kind of another thing I just tried. And it, it kind of changed and morphed over a few years. And then at some point, I was doing the, the Boom Bap Chats, you know, the, the podcast that we do. And I was doing it myself. And I thought, man, I really need to get some co-hosts. And somehow, some way, I, I got reconnected with Aya Amas a really dope MC out of Chicago and uh even in canada now but from chicago and the same day or the next day i got connect reconnected with him i got connected with his cat and co-found also from chicago who's really good friends with Ion mas morad that i i didn't even know those two knew each other and somehow the three of us just kind of connected it was very divine how it happened and i asked both of them to be you know co-hosts and they said yes and so they were on board Year or so before that, when we started the book, uh, launched that with my man, uh, Big Stowe, Michael Stover and Bill Brown and uh, Joe November was, was there helping us with that. So I kind of got connected with Joe online. So there's just all these connections that kind of happen very organically, you know, almost in divine fashion over a few years and kind of where we are now, where we have this kind of united front, the six of us. And, uh, yeah, we put out the podcast. You know, almost every week we take some holidays off and then, you know, we got the book every year, magazines and, and you know, the educational piece that you're talking about. So so all of us together kind of on a united front, that kind of has gelled and invented over like the past year. Um, but the idea that kind of sparked it all, that got it all going is, like I said, about four years or so uh, in the making.
0: Yeah. So, so everybody's hip hop, it's a label, but, but so much more, right? So you guys are creating music. Um, so let, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about that right now. Like kind of, you know, what do you want to say about the, the musical aspect of everybody's hip hop? I know you guys have some. Some new stuff in the works. What do you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, well, musically, the label is set up to be very different from your, you know, typical label. I mean, your labels typically release music, and we do. However, we've really invested a lot of time and energy on figuring out how to find an audience, and we're still working on that daily because we want to be able to to bring artists, you know, partner with artists and say, hey, we have an audience, and if we do an album with you that album will immediately go to our audience. And so it'll be a boost to their career. Uh, if it's, you know, an artist that doesn't have that type of exposure yet, um, then we'll be able to help them. So we spent a lot of time on that. As far as the music that we are putting out, uh, we have, uh, speaking of I.O. Rod, his first project uh, in several years is coming out uh, this month, later this month. So that on Bandcamp, be a Bandcamp exclusive right now. So that's exciting we have I produced an album, another album for an MC named AC the Entity, who is a really dope MC. I really like this MC a lot. And we did an album together a few years ago called Power, where I did all the beats and did the lyrics. And so we're re upping for another power. I'm not sure of the name of it yet, but it's basically power part two. And that'll be out uh in May of this year. And then we also have an album uh from Profound, uh the Chicago MC I was telling you about that that's hopped up with us. And um his album should be out later uh, this year as well. So, and we got some, man, we got some really dope producers, uh, beats from some really dope producers in the mix that we're currently writing to and figuring out how to structure those. We have a lot of music that we're going to be putting out, but again, taking our time and really, really delving into how to how do we find the audience that is interested in this type of you know music. So that's what we
0: spend a lot of our time. So the the other question I wanted to ask you was you talked about. Working with artists through the label, when when you're talking about potentially creating a partnership there, like what are you looking for out of an artist that you guys would consider working with?
1: Uh, usually just fun and good music. You you know, for the if, if we're working with an artist that has a similar reach as we do, or if we have more reach, in that scenario, it's like all right, dope. Like. We can share each other's audiences and platforms to kind of cross promote and expand both of our reach a little bit. And we can offer you something. You can offer us something. Typically, what I like to do is, is I really, I'm really trying to build up our Patreon following. And part of the, the perk of supporting us monthly is whenever we do an album, the, our supporters get it first and foremost. So like the I.O. Maraud project went out to our supporters what, a month ago. And so that's something that I really like to see, you know, when I'm working with the artist, that's one of the first questions, you know, we put out an album, do you mind if I send it to our, our people, our supporters first and foremost, like, you know, months before we release it to the general public. Um, that helps us because that's a perk for our supporters. And then on um, for the artist perspective, it's like all right. That, that's a perk for our side your perk is you know you, you release this to your streaming platform and you know under your name and then like that kind of lives with you and so you know it's just kind of a win-win so but but really just look, look for dope artists you know that have their stuff together I don't really we're not really in the business of like you know artist development as far as like your, your skills on the mic so like you got to be dope, and you already have to be dope, and already have to have a process of recording, right? So we don't do like studio time or anything like that. You already have to have that, you know, situated. But we all we really do strive to be able to to help artists with their, you know, their marketing and reaching their audience, and you know how to post and how often to post and how to speak and how to engage, you know, people, and, and just helping them creatively, you know, roll out an album. So it's not just like this thursday night my album drops but there's a whole you know multi-month months before the release months after the release here's a you know a whole spreadsheet of what we can do you know to market it and promote it to get people ready for it to follow up with people after it drops um so we'd like to be able to provide those resources uh, to artists that we work with so yeah so just a few thoughts on artists we work with
0: that's amazing. That's amazing. And if an artist is interested in potentially touching base with you guys and, and seeing if there is a connection there or, or seeing if there's, you know, a, a potential relationship that can build, like, how do you expect them to reach out to you and kind of, you know, get those initial contacts happening?
1: Yeah, just I mean, we're all over uh, social media. So, I mean, I'm at NC Till uh everybody's hip-hop label is on you know facebook and instagram so you know just see a post comment on it find you know find the dm hit us up we're very reachable uh and just you know reach out and send us a link say hello now it is different like there are some in our crew that's like you better approach us the right way not spam us i'm just like yo hit me up however you want i don't care if i got time i'll check it out you know and uh
0: give it a listen so yeah just reach out to us yes sir yes sir and guys again joining me on the 520 collective phone line from everybody's hip-hop it is MC Till again that website is boom review.com and the book which you guys have your third edition out now of the book the boom bap review man uh, I, I love it I'm going to tell you this uh, The series is inspiring us here at 520 Collective um, So just know that for sure right off the bat But you, you know this is your third year doing it Talk about how the book just kind of came to be man
1: Yeah so And thank you by the way man I really appreciate that The book originally I Like you remember in the back of like magazine hip hop You know XL and The Source They'd have like release dates of like new albums remember that yeah so that kind of went away but then there was like hip hop websites like hiphopsite.com and Hip-Hop X and underground blog so there was these websites that would have release dates and I would go there all the time like oh when's this album coming out oh I didn't know about that and then those kind of went away and I, I just found myself one day like searching like where can I find new release dates and I couldn't find them and I don't like to complain so I thought alright I'll just do it I'll be the source everybody's hip hop label that's one service we'll provide but what i found was it was really hard to get release dates because artists are just releasing music like crazy left and right so they're not spending a lot of time on sending out release dates they're just sending out the album so that turned that idea turned into well i'll just i'll just start a list every month an ongoing list of albums that come out that month that i think are dope so i started that list and after a few months i was like oh my goodness at the end of this year, we're going to have a pretty extensive list of dope boom-bats hip-hop albums. So the original idea was just to release like a pretty small book, almost like pamphlet-like book, where we just list out a hundred albums. And that's basically it. But then I thought, wait a minute, we could put a little more meat to this thing. And so that's when the idea came in to write some reviews and write some retrospective pieces. And then year two, we added the hip-hop essay... Uh, to the book and then, you know, uh, this past book, volume three, we added a few, you know, uh, more authors, more writers, and so it just kind of has grown and built every year since. So, but it started with that one idea, it's just a, a, a release date source.
0: Right, 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 right. And then, I mean, obviously it's called the Boom Bap Review, but it's not strictly Boom Bap, although the majority of it is, right? Like, what's the criteria that you guys are looking at whenever it comes to deciding whether an album is going to, you know, make the cut for the book?
1: Yeah, so we're actually rethinking how we do this right now. So if if you, if your audience, anyone has ideas on the criteria that we should use, please, please hit me up, let me know what your thoughts are. Um, up to this point, there's there's a link that an album has to, to meet. I mean, we, we, I think we said like 20. Oh, man, I can't remember, but there's a link. So like if it's just like an EP of like three songs, we can put it in there, but not the top 100 albums. So there's a link that you have to meet. And then for the most part, it's just me listening to the music and deciding which ones I think are really dope. And then, you know, the guys in the group, you know, if there's an album that comes out, they're like, yo, this should really go in the book, you know, because it's super dope. And so we'll put that in there. Um, but up to this point, mostly just me, just kind of, li- because I just listened to so much. Um, I'm just kind of, you know, going through all the albums that come out and just kind of categorizing them. Now, one thing that I do um, that I want to put a little bit more meat to is, like, I- albums that have a-, a more positive message to them, I tend to rank those a little higher. And it's because I think that's important. I think having a good message that is uplifting is, is an important attribute to a good album. Now there are albums where I feel like the, the message is not all that uplifting, but I can't deny the talent. You know, I can't deny how dope it is. So those albums certainly, you know, get listed too. Um, but I definitely put a little more weight on albums that have that more positive
0: message to them. So. With this being the third installment of it, well, in 2021, so it came out in November, right? How, just from your side of it, how how are you feeling as far as just, like, the momentum that this thing has got? Because it seems like, you know, you guys are definitely growing that support behind this publication, man. Like, what's that like sitting on your side of it as the author of this series?
1: Yeah, it feels great. I mean, it it feels so great that we are releasing You know, a book mid year this year that's going to be similar format, but about, you know, the native tongue collective. So we feel like there is momentum. And so we're going to try to capitalize on that, you know, with uh, another book uh, mid year. And, you know, just the exciting thing is like people get these books and like they immediately post about them. And we don't tell people to. I mean, there there are artists, there are promotional copies that we'll send out. We're like, yo, if you like it, you know, share it for us. But, People buy the book and immediately take a picture. Like, yo, know, I just got my copy, and people are talking about how this is like the annual tradition for them, and how their, their you know their spouse bought this book for them for Christmas and stuff like that. And so it's just really exciting, you know. Be like, man, I, this is this is our idea. You know, this is something we put together that people are you know excited about all over the world and it's just yeah it's a really cool feeling a really cool feeling so you couldn't be more thrilled about it
0: yes sir yes sir and with uh boom bap review volume three man what what's some stuff that uh, what, what's some highlights for you or, or what do you tell people like hey this is what you're gonna find in the book
2: yeah with
1: well, definitely new writers iomas Murad has a few pieces in there which is really dope profound has a few pieces in there so broadening a little bit you know voices uh, in the book is really cool um, another really cool thing is like we came across this guy who was doing we didn't know this got guy named Lord Triple A he has a really cool story about about how he got involved in hip hop and how hip hop is you know not saved his life but it borderline saved his life and he was doing something called Boom Bap Reviews on Blogspot years ago and so he hit us up and was like yo I've been doing this thing you know we both got the same name so anyway we worked it out like yo let's let's kind of help each other out so we we put one of his reviews, uh retrospective piece in the book about cypress hill which is super dope because i'm a you know huge cypress hill fan and i really like how he he wrote about this group and about their first album and so we put um you know some of that blog uh, in the book so that's cool uh just the additional writers and um, that piece about Cypress Hill is, is exciting, and the other thing exciting about this book, we so you kind of touched on it, is you you know you have art like like Nas. Nas made the book. Nas made it, the top twenty. I think we put him at nineteen. Um, Kings of These Two, which means there are eighteen artists that that got ahead of Nas that that can brag that yeah we we got ranked ahead of arguably the greatest MC of all time. And I think it's because eighteen, you know, groups artists made better albums than Nas did, you know. And so just having, having, being able to spark that conversation because I know people will be like, "You're crazy," <laughs> you know. Nas, is, Nas is the best. He, he should have been number one. And there's going to be people that say, "No, nah, Nas made a trash album. That that this Beach fresh garbage. That shouldn't even be in the book." And so just to be able to spark those conversations with the list is exciting as well.
0: How do you view kind of just where? the current trends in music and the way that artists kind of promote themselves are going and are artists missing out on some opportunities with some of these tools I mean I know you know touring's been weird with the pandemic and everything but I know I think everyone wants to get back to more shows and stuff just what's your general feel about that side of just music today
1: Yeah I just think art, artists that are good at you know making good art and are good at you know, engaging people, other artists, and, and have a really great work ethic. There's nothing that can stop you. You know, I mean, if you put out good art and you're good at communicating with people, and you do it constantly, you know, you can win in this game. Uh, in my team, because uh, it's just the, the tools available to us are incredible. So I think you you just have to keep working and keep keep learning. You know, I mean, that's the thing that we're trying to do. Like, yeah, we got the book, so we know how to do. We know how to write a book now. We know how to, you know, self-publish. We know how to put it out. And, you know, so we know how to do that. How how do we sell? You know, twenty thousand copies of this book. You know, is that possible? How do we figure that out? So it's it's an evolving learning. You know, you're all, you always have to be learning, and especially with the way technology is like uh, moving, changing so so quickly it's like how do you try to stay up with that but at the same time do the things that are going to root you for years to come like a website big sto is always harping on artists to get a website because a website is something that's going to weather the storm twitter will, will fade at some point facebook will at some point but your website will stay for you know much longer so what are the things that you need to have that are you know probably never going like they're going to be foundational things? that you can build off of and what are the things that you like have to jump on real quick ride that wave for a second and say nah this isn't me and then jump on the next wave but how do you balance that and it, it's just all about trying and learning and just working working like crazy you know just have a strong work ethic and a strong curiosity you know and ability to to get out there and, and fail a bunch of times and, and try things that don't work and change and you know it's all that stuff uh, and, and constantly doing it and evolving as you do it, you know.
0: Yeah, man. Tell them one more time, man. Where do they need to go in order to support MCT and, and uh, support everybody's hip hop?
1: Yeah, 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 just go to com and you can read all about uh, the book and you can read about the guys, too. It's not just me. You know, my man Bo Brown's been there from the beginning. Uh, Big Stowe my man Profound, Ion Masma Rod, and Joe November. And you can read about their favorite albums and there's links uh to to our social media um there at the page too so yeah boombapreview.com get the book check us out let us know something love to hear from you
0: perfect perfect and i guess since we've had you on now and we've had Stowe on the podcast like i said we're gonna have to work on getting some of the other uh guys from the crew on here at some point so we'll, we'll see if we can make that kind of some bucket list items As we move forward as well. MC2, I appreciate your time and and for hopping on the podcast with us, man. And excited for what's going to happen throughout 2022 over at Everybody's Hip Hop surf. Yeah,
1: dude, thank you, man. I really appreciate this opportunity. And thanks for what you all do as
0: well, man. Thank you. 100%. So, guys, go check them out boombapreview.com everybody's hip-hop support because these are the kinds of people that we need support for you know when it comes to the culture like just a hundred percent so go and do it uh, again shout out to our episode sponsors including the bookkeeper 24 check them out at tbk247.com and yeah we will see you guys on the next podcast All right. We're so glad that you tuned in for this episode of the 520 Collective Podcast. In fact, we don't want it to end here. Make sure to join our server on Discord and be part of the growing community that's centered around faith-based hip-hop. Let us know your thoughts about the topics covered in this episode and tap into a variety of live events. Go to 520collective.com slash discord now to join.